Welcome to a very special episode of Round 3 Speak the Podcast and our first Halloween movie bracket show. Before we start, I'd like to thank Solomon Black for that intro. Find him at chrisblackohio.com. Not with us today, but still able to give us the headlines is Mr. Patrick Henry. With us in spirit, one might say. Frightening us all with what is happening in America and the world at large. And shockingly, these stories might be more scary than the movies we are about to discuss. So, Mr. Henry, spook us with your ghastly tales. Another great intro from Scott. Here are the headlines. Well, we have uh, Ron Paul uh, saying, Great news, Biden's vaccine mandate is falling apart. Um, The courts are striking down that mandate, um, which is very interesting. And it's not officially struck down yet, but um, I think it's clearly unconstitutional but we will see what the courts say about that. Um, More than half of U.S. states are suing to stop Biden's COVID vaccine mandate. Again, if you don't know about the mandate, um, it is using OSHA to force employees of any company that has 100 employees or more to take the vaccine or get tested every week. Um, then we have an article out of the LA times study shows dramatic decline in effectiveness of all three COVID vaccines over time. So I think that's some bad news there. Um, obviously I want COVID to go away just like anybody else. I'm just not sure the vaccines are the way to do it. I think that we need to focus on treatments and, uh, I do think that natural immunity is a very powerful method in stopping the spread of COVID. Um, there's, there's also been, I'm going to skip ahead a little bit here through these headlines, because th- there's been a lot of talk about what happened at Travis Scott's Astro World concert. So this article out of Vigilant Citizen is pretty interesting. It has it's it's heavy on the conspiracy side of things. So some people obviously will not like it, but um, it's called "Something Extremely Dark Happened at Travis Scott's Deadly Astro World Festival." So that festival um, was a music festival with one other stage, um, a couple different artists, but no other artist was performing at the time. Travis Scott came on stage. He was the headline act and. So all 50 to 55,000 people were squeezed into one stage. And the way the layout was in front of the stage was in such a way that people could not get out. So they got squeezed in and there's been nine deaths so far. And the creepy conspiratorial side of that is the weird symbolism surrounding that show. And that article talks a lot about the symbolism. Um, There's also an article from Washington Post videos show Travis Scott's Astral World concert continued despite desperate pleas for help from the crowd. Um, There's another article, this one out of the Houston Chronicle, for 37 minutes after officials declared a mass casualty event at Astroworld, Travis Scott played on. 
this one's odd out of um this one's out of uh, the daily beast travis scott partied at dave and buster's after the concert which to me is inexcusable i mean after the concert everyone had known the news was already starting to cover it um just how deadly the concert was i mean there were there was a line of ambulances trying to get in so for travis scott to just go and, and party it's not a good look um you have another one out of Newsweek. Uh, Astro World fans yell, "That man died five songs ago!" At Travis Scott on stage, the fans were trying to get Travis Scott's attention that there were people dying in the crowd, but Travis Scott continued to play. So there's also a lot of lawsuits coming out of that. Um, I don't have time to get into all that now. Um, so then we have. Back to the vaccine, of course, out of ucdavis.edu, there's a new study from UC Davis that shows viral loads are similar between vaccinated and unvaccinated people. So to me, I don't know how people can think these vaccines stop the spread when vaccinated people still get and spread COVID. So I don't understand the, the mandates. But uh, that's it. That's five minutes. So, Scott, uh, hope to do a full episode with you guys soon. And back to you. Thank you, Patrick Henry. You make me feel like a ghost in an elevator because you lift my spirit. So, moving on. In this edition, we have our round four panel back to discuss the 16 best Halloween slash scary movies of all time. With us is Mr. and Mrs. Lawson. A lovely couple that creeps it real. Also, we have Mercy Warren. I had a few vampire puns for her, but they all suck. (laughs) Oh, now she's looking at me with resting witch face. (laughs) Oh, if you guys could see it. Okay, okay, I'm done. And I also am Scott Barnes. Uh, I'm just creeping it real on the podcast and here for some booze. We have a great episode for you all, packed with trivia, fun facts, and some laughs. I'm sure you're all rolling on the floor laughing right now if you haven't tuned us off already. But with that, let's get into the show. And we start off the bracket competition with the original 1978 movie, Halloween. And Halloween is going up against number two in our bracket, Get Out. So Halloween first, it came out in 1978. Uh, starring Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, Tony Moran, who played Mike, Myer, Mike Michael Myers, and Donald Pleasence. So a fun fact about Halloween was that it was shot in just 20 days in 1978, in the spring of 1978, on a budget of $325,000. In the sp- So during that time, it was filmed over a span of 20 days, like I just said, sorry. Uh, but it was released in October of the same year. And I like this movie, but it's also very slow-paced. And um, I think if you see the pitch meeting for it, uh, you know, by Ryan George, it kind of sums it up really well when they just linger on shots that don't really make too much sense and just to fill the ad time, the air time. Uh, going up against it is Get Out, which was made in 2017, written by Jordan Peele. Uh, so it has a pretty big cast. Daniel Kaluuya, uh, Allison Williams, Bradley Whitford, Stephen Root, uh, Catherine Kinnear, 
Betty Gabriel and Little Ray Howery. Um, some of the fun facts I found about this movie was it has a few similarities to Halloween. It was also filmed in just about 23 days, and the opening of the film was inspired by Halloween, where Darden Peel described it as the perfect white neighborhood. Um, it was also a very low budget, uh, respectively. It was $4.5 million, which is basically a indie movie level. Um, I've seen most of this movie. I haven't seen it all together in one sitting. It has an amazingly suspenseful build-up, and I think it's also very well written and acted. So, okay, I have said my piece. I've talked long enough. Let's go over to Mercy Warren and see her opinion on these two movies. Hi, everyone. So excited to be on another episode of this podcast. So, between Halloween and Get Out, I have not seen Get Out, so I really can't talk much about that. Halloween, this is actually my pick to put on the bracket. I'm not a huge fan of scary movies, not a big fan of bloody things, but Halloween is a staple of horror movie of the horror movie genre, not only because it created its own cinematic universe at this point, because Michael Myers is just an iconic serial killer. He's up there with like Jason and Freddy and stuff. Um, you can tell watching the movie that it is a little bit low budget especially on the first one, but um, for me the highlight of that movie is Jamie Lee Curtis and she's went to she's went on to reprise that role in many of their um, sequels, so it kind of launched her career. And like I said, I really can't say much about Get Out because I haven't seen it. I have seen the trailer for it and it looks like it is very suspenseful, so maybe it's something I, that will be worth a watch here in the future. All right, over to the Lawsons, if they are ready. Thanks for having us on, guys. Uh, just want to say, these probably aren't the 16 greatest horror movies of all time. I think these are more just like some of our favorite picks. So I, I'm sure we, we'll do another iteration of these. Um, I think these are just our 16, just like initial, like here's some scary movies that we kind of like. and Or our Halloween. Yeah, I'll just give you the quick, uh, the quick box office numbers. Um, Halloween. Um, the original made over um, $215 million, and Get Out made too much more, you know, year, like, you know, what, 30 years after the Halloween movie? So, um, you know, the fact that Halloween did so well back then um, is really impressive. Uh, so, I don't know, I just, I'm more of an advocate for the Halloween franchise, I feel like has gone on, <laughs> like, they keep, it keeps getting worse and worse. Um, I don't know why they, Sometimes I wish they would just kind of stop some of these these franchises and just be like, hey, we've, you know, we've done enough, or just, I don't know, space them out more, because it's a way to make better movies. I think they just are kind of like, just done too many iterations of it, so I feel like they need to kind of give it a break for a little bit, and <laughs> maybe regroup. Yeah. Um, Get Out, I just think, was a really, really good movie. Uh, 2017, um, I thought it was actually, to me, it was one of the best movies of the year, honestly, and it, I think it was nominated for... Um, actually, no, it wasn't nominated for Best Picture, was it? No. Um, so here are the Best Picture nominations that year, for 2017. You got Moonlight, Arrival, Fences, Hacksaw Ridge, Hell or High Water, Hidden Figures, La La Land, Lion, Manchester by the Sea. And I just don't really think any of those movies... I mean, I liked, I liked Hell or High Water a lot. I thought that was a really good movie. That was a great um, movie. Yeah, I thought that was really good. Mm -hmm. um, I actually kind of liked... I mean, Hacksaw Ridge, you know, all right. 
It's pretty um, bloody. Hidden figures, hidden figures, okay. But I just feel like long term, like the movie that's gonna actually have the most, like, it's gonna resonate like twenty years from now is gonna be Get Out. Um, very suspenseful movie. Um, I think there's a, a movie that has a lot of messages inside the movie, and at the same time, like you said, it's very suspenseful. Um, I think it's a quick pace. They really did a good job with the sound effects and the background of it. Um, Bradley Whitford being one of the the main villains, I thought he did a really good job in that. Um, just overall, I thought it was a fantastic movie. So I thought it was one of the best of that year. Um, I thought it definitely should have been nominated for an Academy Award. So that's my pick, I would say. Yeah, but it's not too surprising sometimes we see the, with the Academy and not picking Afri- African-American films. I think they've gotten into some uh, hot water over that. And I like what you said, too, about like the box office number. Or, well, more so you said that they keep doing the franchise, the Halloween franchise. It just keeps going. And that's something that we'll see a theme here a lot in this bracket. And just horror movies in general is they're low budget. They can do these movies. You know, it doesn't take a lot of money to do it. They don't, you know, they probably do most of the money into editing and paying the actors. But for the most part, it's so low budget that you can get such a big return on them. So for them, I think they just keep throwing it on the wall and, you know, like, oh, we'll spend $20 million here and get $125 million back in the box office, which I think a lot of those movies they've done. I mean, this got, like, what, 11, 12 Halloween movies at this point. Yeah, yeah, so the Halloween, the first one came out in 78. Then they did one in 81, 82, 88, 89, 95, 98, 202, 207, 209, 2018, 2021. And I guess there's another one planned for 2022. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, it's yeah, it just, again, I mean, I, I think they're just, I mean, they're entertaining movies. Um I would say the first one is the best. I don't know if you guys have a different opinion on which one is the best. I haven't seen them all, but I feel like the original is probably the best one. But um, yeah. like I said, I, it's just, you know, at some point, it's just like probably time to end the franchise, I feel like. I agree. I can't remember which one it was, if it was Halloween Resurrection or Halloween H2O. But I remember in one of those two at the end, they have this one guy who's basically using karate on Mike Myers at the end and doing like these jump kicks and kicking him in the face. I really love that one. That was like just entertaining and fun. Like so, And I actually, just before we recorded this, we're recording this podcast now, I just watched the new Halloween Kills movie. And again, too, you can see how it's low budget. They, it, they kept it small. There's only like three different locations they used in that movie that just came out. Um, and, I mean, it's just really straightforward. You can tell they're still trying to go back to the original like they did in Halloween uh, 2018. But, again, it's just... Uh, they're trying to recapture the magic of the past, and you're past that. There's nothing really you can do that's shocking in these in this franchise now to set it apart from the other. But we've talked about this one a long time. We should probably get into the voting because we do have... Uh, 14 other movies to get into and i actually agree with mr lawson and i think my vote's gonna go to get out it's a stronger movie it's a shock you know i don't think anybody expected jordan peele to come out with a movie like this and take the you know the world by storm and make so much money as it did so yeah i'm gonna go with get out my vote's gonna go towards halloween we might and the lawson's are gonna both vote for Get out, actually, including Mrs. Lawson, who will be joining us shortly. All right, so we have a winner first off. It is Get Out, Surpassing Halloween. And like uh, I said in the pre-meeting uh, we had here, it would have been interesting if these movies had tied in the voting, because they also would have tied in the IMDb score. I'm not going to say what that score is, just in case we need it later, but it would have gone to Rotten Tomatoes, 
And that would have, uh, it's, both movies, movies are extremely, extremely well liked. So, uh, at the second, uh, part of the first, uh, grouping here in the first, in our bracket, we have The Ring, the 2002 version, versus Scream. So, Ring, like I said, I know it was remade with, uh, Johnny Galecki. I've tried watching that movie. It's, it's almost unwatchable. It, I just can't look, watch that movie without seeing Leonard. You know, it's unfortunate that he's typecast from Big Bang Theory, but that's all I can see when I watch that. Um, but the 2002 version of Rain came out in, uh, oh my gosh, 2002. Wow, where's my head up? But it stars Naomi Watts, uh, Martin Henderson, Brian Cox, one of my favorite actors, Amber Tamblin, and David Dorfman. And uh, I remember this movie coming out when I was around 14, and everyone was talking about it. It was one of the first movies I remember where you were cool if you saw it in theaters. Like, you you were like, oh, you got to see The Ring? Like, you were allowed to go see it? And they had a great marketing push, I remember, for that movie. And they kept it PG-13 while pushing the envelope, envelope a bit with the effects. And it just, it was brilliantly done in that respect where you can, it made so much money, I'm sure uh, Mr. Lawson will have the numbers for us. Um, but it was so successful. And where they were able to market it to teenagers and make you think you were cool when you saw it, you know, really well done. Uh, and it goes up against number four, Scream, which came out in 1996, starring uh, Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, David Arquette, and Drew Barrymore. Also, Henry Winkler was in that. I always forget he's in that movie. And also remember uh, Ghostface being huge around that time, even though um, the movie came out after Halloween. Like, it came out in December. And I just remember for the rest, it seemed like the rest of the 90s, Ghostface, you know, the Scream mask just dominated Halloween. Everybody had it. Um, but one Fun fact I found about this was that when Henry Winkler's character opens up a closet, you can see his leather Fonzie jacket in there from Happy Days, um, which is kind of surprising to me since he worked so hard to distance himself from the character. Also, um, this is also pretty funny. When they were set to film the high school scenes at Santa Rosa, uh, a high school in California, at literally the last minute, just days before they were set to film at high school, the school board read the script and denied them access. Uh, because they were under the impression that the film was a comedy, not a slasher film. So Wes Craven got back at them by writing in the special thanks segment in the credits, uh, no thanks whatsoever to the Santa Rosa City School District Governing Board. So I think that's kind of funny that he shot back at them. Uh, again, I have talked long enough. Mercy Warren. Okay, so I have seen The Ring. I have not seen Scream. Um, I know that the Scream franchise, like Halloween, there's multiple movies. I believe there's a new Scream movie coming out. Yes. Sometime in the near future as well. Cause I 2022, saw, yep. Because I did see a trailer for that. As I mentioned previously, I'm not a huge fan of, like, scary slasher movies, but that might be one I need to watch just so I feel culturally relevant. Um, I have seen the running crap out of me. I remember running downstairs crying <laughs> to my parents about it, actually. The Ring, it was just one of those movies that as... Um, Scott said it kind of was a cultural phenomenon. I've been to death since then. Oh, of course. But um, Samira crawling out of the well with like the long hair in front of her face is just an iconic image. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of my thoughts on those movies. Yeah, I didn't see Ring until actually years later. I was probably in my late teens, early 20s when I actually finally did get around to seeing it. I didn't see it when it came out. So over to the Lawson's. Hi guys, it's Mrs. Lawson. Thanks for having us on, as always. Um, so I'll start with The Ring. The Ring was my pick to put on the uh, list. 
Um, just personally, I think The Ring is, like, to me, one of the scariest movies I've ever seen. And it's just, I think it's just the concept. And just basically, I, I did see it in the theater with a couple of school friends. And I remember coming out of the theater and just feeling just so, like, uneasy and just really physically, like, it took a toll on me. Like, I was having trouble sleeping and having bad dreams. Like, and I was, what, this came out in, like, 2001, so I was, like, 11 or, I don't know, maybe 11 or 12. And so it just took, like, a big toll. I know it's been, like, spoofed a lot in different movies, um, like the scary movie franchise and other movies. Um, I actually, I thought it was really scary. I don't know. I find the concept of like little girls and like, I don't know, just frightening. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. It sounds bad. But anyway, so fun facts about the ring. Um, it is a very, a different variation of a movie that was in Japan, a 1998 movie called ring you. And DreamWorks had to buy um, the American rights for that movie before they made the ring, like the first ring in 2001. Uh, so it, it is, um, it's, they said it was like about a 50%, there's a 50% difference between the two movies. So it's not exactly alike from the movie that was in Japan. Um, it takes place in Washington. They said it rained almost every day of filming, which kind of gives it like the eerie vibe. Um, and another fun fact was that the girl that played Samara, like the creepy girl, she was actually like scared of herself watching herself on the screen. Aww. So, and then like her friends and people coming out of the theater were also afraid of her. So that's probably not a good feeling. Um, and then I'll let Mr. Lawson talk about the other movies. Go ahead. So I just want to get the box office on this real quick. So The Ring made $250 million, so pretty successful. And um, Scream, the original, made $173 million. But as Scott alluded to earlier with these um, horror movie franchises, um, the franchise has made over $600 million. So the franchise, extremely successful. Um, I just want, I know we kind of like, voted out Halloween. I just want to say that's still one of like the original great slasher movies. I just actually prefer Scream better overall. I think Scream is easier to like rewatch. I think it has it's it doesn't seem as outdated as Halloween does. And I think Scream just doesn't take itself quite as seriously. It almost like recognizes like, oh we're a slasher film franchise. I think Halloween was really just trying to go for like scares. Um where I feel like Scream had some funny moments in it a little bit, which I think made it a little bit more fun to watch overall. So, again, just wanted to give a little, a little shout-out to Halloween. I know we voted it out, but it's really good. I just prefer I prefer the Scream franchise overall. Again, I think it's easier to watch, um, and it's just a little more fun. But um, those are both two great horror movies. I'll send it back to um, Mr. Scott. Yeah, I, I agree with you, too, on that, because... It, it, it's weird, but it reminds me of Airplane. You know, when they cast the movie Airplane, they brought in a lot of serious actors who hadn't done, you know, comedy before, and they got great comedic performances out of them. With Scream, it's the opposite. You got David Arquette, Drew Barrymore, Henry Winkler, Courtney Cox, who are all hilarious and other things besides Scream. You know, but they do bring an element of comedy into this also, and that's actually why Scream's going to probably get my vote over The Ring. 
like Ring was scary. I remember when I finally did watch it and I got up the nerve to watch it. It was scary. But then the premise of it is just, you know, you got to get somebody else to watch it within seven days or, you know, to save yourself from dying. You know, it is it is like the, those questionable things that you put left an evil imprint into the video, which is just, you know, like, uh, okay, you know, but so Scream gets my vote. Um, the ring gets my vote. Um, I'll just say the ring, uh, since it was my pick to put on the bracket. So the ring gets my vote. So I think for the millennial age, especially the age that we're at, I think the ring was just like had a moment, but I think overall the original Scream is a better movie. And again, I think to me, it's like Scream and Halloween are like the two really great slasher franchises. Mm -hmm. And I just, again, I prefer Scream a little better. Um, So I'm going to vote for Scream. All right, so that we do have our first tie in the early part of the bracket, and I do have the IMDb scores up like last time. I think uh, Mercy already looked over my shoulder and saw who's going to win, and Ring has a 7.1 out of 10, but Scream has a 7.3 out of 10, so Scream gets the win and moves on to the next round. So let's all... I scream... For scream the puns never end all right so we get into the second grouping in the bracket and they see our first non-scary Halloween theme theme uh, theme movie in here Uh, it they they are they don't have to be scary you know they don't have to be slashers they can be Halloween themed and uh, we have one that's definitely not a Halloween movie but we have number five number six Jaws going up against number six Halloween Town so let's start with Jaws, which came out in 1975. Uh, I mean, just a legendary cast here of phenomenal actors. Uh, Roy Scheider, did I say his name right? Scheider, Scheider. Mm-hmm. Uh, Robert Shaw, Richard Dreyfus, Lorraine Gray, and uh, Murray Hamilton, who played the mayor. Uh, so a fun trivia fact about Jaws. I mean, we already know so much about this movie. Um, the sh- you know. Uh, the shark kept breaking down. Some water scenes were filmed in Spielberg's pool. The legendary feud between Robert Shaw and Dreyfus, but and that actually got into, made into a play that's uh, showing in London right now, which I think is interesting. But I think one of the most interesting facts about this is how, again, we've looked in a lot of these trivia things of how a movie could have been if it had gone in a different direction. And originally, in this scenario, Steven Spielberg was not the first director for Jaws. Uh, it was Dick Richards who was hired originally, but he was fired very early on in the process after he had a meeting with the producers. Uh, Dick Richards wanted the film to have a whale instead of a shark, and uh, he wanted it to come out of the water basically in that same way that Jaws did. Um, And it basically sounded like he wanted to do a remake of Moby Dick somehow. Uh, They fired him on the spot afterwards because they wanted someone who could tell the difference between a whale and a shark. They didn't want to work with anybody who had that delusion in their head. So, Jaws goes up against Halloween Town at number six, which came out in 1998, starring Debbie Reynolds, Kimberly Brown, and Judith Hoag. Hogg. Uh, Judith Hogg, was played by, who played uh, Gwen Cromwell, uh, missed the premiere of a real movie that she was uh, already in called Armageddon. And uh, she needed to miss the premiere to film this Disney fun... <laughs> but I do remember uh, watching this movie as a kid in uh, school... It was fun. It was goofy. It reminds me a bit of Harry Potter at Universal Studios and Diagon Alley. It has a lot of those elements. 
And uh, so both of these movies, radically different from one another, Jaws made you afraid to go in the water. Even if you were in a river or a lake or something, a freshwater place, it made you nervous to go onto the beach, no matter where you were. Uh, just brilliantly acted. I mean, one of the one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, I mean, you can go on and on, you know, the when they're all together on the boat, seeing the sea tanties, uh, trading battle scars. Um, you know, when they actually do kill the shark. I mean, classic great movie. And Halloween Town, like I said, is a fun movie. So going over to Mercy Warren, Mercy Warren for her opinion. So this is a Mercy Warren rarity. I've seen both of these movies, and I like both of these movies. Halloween Town was my pick to put on this list. I know it really doesn't stand a chance. Yes, I'm realistic to that fact. But when I think of Halloween, I think of this movie. I think of the nostalgia that it brings. Every year I still need to rewatch this movie. I mean, it's cheesy, it's corny. Um, Debbie Reynolds is amazing in it as Agatha. Like, it's, it's just a feel-good Halloween staple this time of year. That just makes you feel kind of warm and fuzzy after it. I mean, it's a Disney Channel movie. That's basically what, it is, what its purpose is. Jaws, on the other hand, they did a really good job creating a suspenseful movie without a lot of the shark in it, which I think... I mean, part of that is due to John Williams and his masterful score. Yes. Um, fun fact about me, I have a I have a great respect for sharks, but I'm also absolutely terrified by them. So this movie is one of probably one of the scariest movies I can watch, even though I've seen it so many times, I know exactly what's happening. It still makes me scream every single time. And just a quick disclaimer, this movie gave sharks a really bad rap and made people unnecessarily afraid of them. When Normal great white sharks, or any breed of shark for that matter, they aren't eating humans because they don't normally go after humans. Yeah, more people are killed by vending machines in a, in a year than they are by sharks. So that is that is true. <laughs> so it kind of created a panic, but other than that, like, it is it created the summer blockbuster, basically. Yeah. And it's definitely in most people's minds as a very strong movie. All right, Lawson's. Thank you. Um, like Mercy Warren said, I think Halloween Town, especially this time of year, is like a staple movie to watch when when you're like cozy on the couch and have your hot chocolate or your apple cider. It's just like a great movie to watch this time of year. Um, and again, Debbie Reynolds is great, and it's one of those staple uh, Disney Channel original movies. So it's always fun to watch this time of year. Uh, Jaws, I think, you know, we're, we're pinning two movies that are completely different against each other. I don't I know it's randomly done, but they're just completely different. Jaws is like, I remember watching it when I was younger. It's a great movie, very quotable when the three men are on the boat and they see the shark and they're like, we're going to need a bigger boat. And that, so it's, it's a, uh, it's one of my favorite movies. I haven't seen it in a while, but it's a really good movie. Uh, I'm going to throw it over to Mr. Lawson. Okay, so Jaws, uh, $472 million at the box office. So obviously a massive, massive movie. Um, and, you know, you hear those, you hear that sound, you know, the dun-dun sound, and it's... <laughs> It's instantaneous. You think of Jaws, you think of I mean, you think of sharks, basically. As soon as you hear that sound, which is just Mercy jumped as soon as you did that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the power of that movie. I mean, it's amazing how I mean how long ago that came out, and it still resonates today. Um, Halloween Town again, Disney Disney movie, 
didn't actually find the box office number for it. Um, but I did find that the budget was originally going to be $20 million, which seems like a lot for the yeah. time it was made. And then it got slashed to $4 million. Huh. So they were trying to save some money um, up front. And, I mean, honestly, I mean, for $4 million being spent on it, I mean, and the fact that, like, it's probably a top five Disney Channel movie, honestly, and yeah. it's still being talked about by us on this podcast today. I mean, so, I mean, I'd, I'd call that a success. I mean, Debbie Reynolds is in it, so well, they made that's something. A- yeah, they made a ton of sequels, too. There's, like, what, four or five of them or something? There's and four of them. Four, yeah, they made a lot yeah. of uh, sequels. Yeah, so four sequels. Um, and like I said, I mean, there's a bunch. Of, if you like those, my recommendation, if you like those Disney Channel movies and you haven't seen this movie, I would, you know, for the season, I'd watch it. Um, if you're not a fan of Disney Channel movies, then probably not. Don't watch <laughs> this. But, um, yeah, again, Jaws, all-timer. This might be the easiest. There's also, an, there's also I think, five Jaws movies as yeah. well so that's also a long-running uh, franchise yes. i'll admit i've only seen the first one but uh, i'll turn it back <laughs> over to scott for the voting yeah i've seen a few of the other ones they all kind of run together in my mind because they're all just so bad the ones after jaws um but yeah so this one it is an easy vote in my opinion it's gonna be jaws of the jaws sequels the second one's the best because it still has um roy scheider in it so it still has kind of the feel of this of the first one the third and fourth one just not good at all um but my vote actually does go to jaws in this case i will also vote for jaws we got ourselves a sweep it would be jaws yeah there we go we got a bit of everything already so far in our voting so everybody don't tune out because number seven and number eight to close out the second grouping are two of my favorite horror movies of all time uh i know like it's a short list they're all great but number seven silence of the lambs versus number eight the 2004 dawn of the dead so number seven uh silence of the lambs came out in 1991 uh starring jodie foster anthony hopkins scott glenn and ted levine um so a fun fact i found about um silence of the lambs was anthony hopkins was only on screen for about 25 minutes the second shortest amount of time ever to win an Academy Award with a male leading role, male leading role. The first goes to David Naveen in 1958's Separate Table, uh, beating, beating him out at just under 24 minutes. But Hopkins actually borrowed his performance of Hannibal Lecter by copying a friend of his in London who rarely blinked while talking, which unnerved anyone around him who heard him talk. And, of course, you have number eight, 2004's remake of George Romero's 1978 movie, Dawn of the Dead, uh, Sarah, starring Sarah Poli, Ving, Ving Rames, uh, Michael Kelly, and Ty Burrell. Um, so this is a, um, a really fun movie. I'll let uh, Mrs. Lawson give her fact on that. But I like the movie a lot. It, it's a great remake. There's some comedy moments when... Uh, the guy in the ammo shop snipes celebrities from you know, the roof. Uh, there's a part where the redneck guard is forced to listen to the one guy describing his first gay experience um, and hating. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, just like how he groans and stuff and has to listen to it. But I did hate the mo- the ending of this movie, though. I-, I love this movie a lot, but I hate the ending where um, they're try- they-, they work so hard to escape. They have this great story of survival. Then in the closing credits, they get killed on that island. Um, in my opinion, this could have been used to tease a sequel and maybe have like a dead island type of movie uh, and branch off into other movies in that uh, in that um, universe. Uh, granted, this didn't work at all for uh, 
uh, George Romero because he made multiple sequels, horrible sequels, to his uh, original Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead. And uh, But still, this makes me wonder what if. You know, I think this could have been more in that movie. Yeah. Uh, Mercy. Okay, so in true Mercy Worm fashion, I have not seen either of these movies. Silence of the Lambs, I've definitely heard of people talk about it. I've heard, like, the put the lotion in the basket thing quoted Put the lotion the, in the basket. Quoted, quoted to death. <laughs> um, for me, it just seems too creepy for me to watch. I know that I'd probably get really scared, but that might be one of these days. I might feel brave enough to actually watch it. I'm probably hyping it up in my head, and it's probably not as scary as I think it's going to be. And I actually never heard of Dawn of the Dead until two days ago. So that'll be another one maybe I'll have to try and watch just so I know what we're talking about. Alright, so then over to the Lawsons. So, um, Dawn of the Dead, the 2004 version, again, was my pick to put on. It just has, again, the movies that I pick tend to have, like, a nostalgic place, like, in my memories and, like, in my heart. Um, I don't necessarily like the movie, but I remember watching it at a sleepover with some friends and being really scared. And this was the first movie thinking, like, wow, those zombies are moving really fast. How is anyone surviving this? (laughs) So, um, I agree with Scott. There are some funny parts, especially when they're on top of the roof and they're, like, just randomly shooting zombies and you see, like, Jay Leno and, um... Um, who is oh Burt Reynolds yeah. mustache Burt Reynolds yep. so um, yes and again like a lot of um, there were two actors that came out of that movie the character that played CJ you can also find him in House of Cards playing um, Frank Underwood's assistant and yep. then Ty Burrell is on Modern Family so uh, two actors that you wouldn't think would go anywhere have been followed up with some good uh shows and so um it's it's a good i mean it's a good like zombie movie in my opinion and um silence of the lambs just again a totally different movie and great movie it's very suspenseful um swept the academy awards uh for all the performances and a fun fact um the house that was used for buffalo bill's house is you can find it on like Zillow or Re- uh, Realty.com for like in Pennsylvania for under three hundred thousand huh. dollars. So fun fact. Throw it over to Mr. Lawson. See, I thought uh, Scott perfectly summed up uh, Dawn of the Dead in that the ending was a, a letdown from the rest of the movie, which I thought was pretty solid. Mm-hmm. I also liked the movie Shaun of the Dead, the uh, what, 2004 comedy. Yes, I thought that was I thought that was very funny. Um, but I will talk. I mean. Silence of the Lambs is my pick. Um, again, one of the all-time greats, like um, my lovely wife said, it like swept the awards. Um, yeah, it is amazing when you rewatch it how little Anthony Hopkins is in the movie. But his like, even when he's not on screen, though, his presence is really felt throughout the movie. And like, and the time he spent on scene was, on, you know, on camera was so good. I do think he actually deserves the award um, in 1991. So I'll give you the box office numbers: uh, Silence of the Lamb, 273 million. Back in 1991, and Dawn of the Dead, $103 million. Um, so, Silence of the Lamb, um, Gene Hackman was actually um, going to be the character portrayed by Anthony Hopkins. Hannibal wow. Yeah, he, he really wanted to do it, but I guess he turned, and this is, he turned down the role because he was in a movie called Mississippi Burning, 
and he like rewatched himself in that movie, and I guess he didn't. He wasn't like a like a villain in it, but he wasn't like a very likable character. And I think he came to the conclusion like I don't want to portray two extremely unlikable characters huh. in movies back to back. So it was kind of a like Gene Hackman's like this is a career move for me. And I mean, I, I would think you'd have regrets because obviously, you know, Silence of the Lamb is a classic movie. Yeah, there's, um, there's no guarantee he would have been anywhere as good as Anthony Hopkins though, because Anthony Hopkins just stole that movie. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. Um, they also, I guess, Sean Connery was also considered to play that role, hmm. and I feel like he would not have been nearly as good <laughs> as Anthony Hopkins. Um, I actually think, I actually think Gene Hackman, I feel like, could have possibly played it off. Um, but I think Sean Connery would have been a very weird choice. So glad it didn't go in that direction. But, uh, yeah, I feel like Silence of the Lamb, one of the few thriller horror movies to actually get what it deserved at the Academy Awards. So, uh, that's obviously going to be my pick coming up. Okay. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, I think Silence of the Lambs is going to get my pick too. Just you, the performances, you know, even though, um, Red Dragon, which was the third movie, I guess you could say in the franchise, um, starring uh, Edward Norton uh, in that role with all the Aslan Hopkins. I'm, I think I do like that movie a little bit better than Silence of the Lambs, but there wouldn't have been a Red Dragon without Silence of the Lambs. They, they did it first. They did it perfectly. That movie just start to finish is so good, and that's why it gets my vote over Dawn of the Dead, which didn't end well. You know, If it had a better ending, it probably would have got my vote, but in this one, Silence of the Lambs. Um, I'm going to vote for Silence of the Lambs simply because it is definitely more of the iconic classic movie that I've actually heard of and no references from, even though I haven't even seen it. So, Silence of the Lambs. I will also vote for Silence of the Lambs, even though the other movie was my pick. But it, it's clearly a better movie, and got it over. <laughs> so, I'm voting for Silence of the Lambs, obviously, and then... Uh... I will give the listeners a fun fact about Scott. He is probably one of Ed Norton's biggest fans in every movie he's ever done. Yes. So uh, any movie that references Ed Norton, just know that Scott will be a big supporter of that movie. But uh, yeah, definitely for Silence of the Lambs. Norton could do no wrong. I wish he... Uh, I do like Mark Ruffalo in the Marvel series, but I still always wonder. I think... I know Edward Norton would have done that role much better justice. But that's a topic for another episode. <laughs> so going on to the second half of the bracket we have number nine the sixth sense versus number 10 the blair witch project so number nine the sixth sense came out in 1999 uh starring bruce willis uh Haley joel osmond uh donnie Wahlberg, tony collett and olivia Wil olivia williams uh this is a uh mercy uh not mercy i'm sorry a mrs lawson movie so i'll let her give the fun fact but um I think this is maybe M. Night Shyamalan's best film, in my opinion, along with Signs. But his writing and talent, I think, really went downhill after both of those movies. And don't even get me started on Avatar The Last Airbender. Uh, but watching it for the first time, it does a great job of telling a story and walking and building towards something with, sign, uh, with uh, The Sixth Sense. It's a fun moment when you realize that maybe ghosts in this universe aren't bad, even though they are unstable at times. And I think that's a key thing because they are inconsistent, but they're spirits. You know, you can kind of write that off as, you know, they're not expected to be rational or reasonable. They're unstable. They're in a violent situation uh, that they don't like, you know, they, and they're trying to get the story out. And of course, also the twist is one of the most memorable moments in movie history. And I mean, you still see it in TV and films referenced 22 years later you know, today, 22 or 23 years later, uh, when this movie came out. So 
I mean, of course, you know, the I See Dead People too. You know, the movie's so quotable. Um, really a fan. It's really fantastic. And uh, so you got number 10, The Blair Witch Project, which also came out in 1999, uh, starring basically just these three people, Heather Donahue, Donahue uh, Michael C. Williams, and Josh Leonard, three unknown actors. Basically, none of them have done anything since this movie. And um, I kind of think this is a brilliant concept. Uh, and this is also the king uh, of the budget to box office ratio, which again, Mr. Lawson, I'm sure we'll have the numbers on there. But this movie was made for $60,000, basically. And it uh, is all a cost. And um, the film is criticized a lot, and not without reason. I mean, there are a lot of things to criticize with this movie. But I felt the buildup is one of the best in movie history. The suspense, the scenes... The, where you have day scenes, you don't really see that in a lot of uh, movies where there's scenes during the day which are just as scary as night. I think it was brilliant in my opinion and paced perfectly. It took them only eight days to film this and when they finished they actually returned. So the, the, the characters in the movie, they bought one of those cameras from Circus City and they returned that camera after eight days of filming for a refund and got it, which even cut less into their budget, uh, which I think was hilarious. Uh, but it did take eight months of editing afterwards. Uh, so it wasn't that easy, you know, I mean, they, they had hours and hours of other unused footage. But two really good movies, in my opinion, and it's a tough pick for me of which one gets my vote. So The Sixth Sense, I've seen parts of it, and I know generally what happens in it. I don't think I've ever seen the entire movie in one sitting. But I, I know the general premise of it, and I also know this is another horror movie in which it was parodied to death afterwards. Yes. And the plot twist is one that's talked about quite a bit, where Bruce Willis was dead the entire time. Spoiler alert! <laughs> I know, it's bad to say spoiler alert after you all already spoil it, but just in case, um, I know that's something that's been widely used in different comedy shows and stuff. Um, as far as Blair Witch Project goes, I have seen it. I was at a sleepover when I seen it, and I remember being scared and unnerved by it simply because of the shaky grainy can camera work really added something in the effect of this movie which i which i think really kind of elevates the scariness and suspense of it so that's my feelings on these two movies off to the lawsons thanks um i'll do the fun facts about the sixth sense so um this was actually one of the movies apparently bruce willis uh, during another Disney movie, I guess some things happened. He was, like, firing producers and directors, and the movie that he was in originally, it was called Broadway Brawler. Um, it did not end up getting made. So in a settlement with Disney, this was one of the movies that he had to film and commit to. Um, the other two were Armageddon and then The Kid. So I think... Those three movies, like, they're all decent movies, so I think he ended up, act it was actually a, a good thing. Um, let's see, the one, Tony Collette, who plays Cole's mom, she actually experienced some, like, creepy things. Apparently, she was, like, waking up at middle of the night where, like, the numbers were repeated, like, 111, 333, 444, so that was some of the things that she was experiencing. And then um, Donnie Wahlberg, apparently he lost, like, 43 pounds for the role um, as the guy who shoots, like, uh, 
Bruce Willis's character. Yeah. So, another spoiler. Uh, so, <laughs> he wasn't even recognizable when he came in for the audition. The Blair Witch Project, um, I have seen this as well. It's been a while. I would agree with Mercy. It's hard to watch because of the shaky camera work. Um, but again, this is a movie that kind of set the trail for like other movies where they use that kind of camera work. So I think it was one of the first movies that did that and would use the shaky camera or would like use a basic camera to catch things like something that comes to mind is like paranormal activity. That's another scary movie. So I know they use like that type of shooting in that movie as well. Talk to Mr. Lawson. So this is probably the toughest pick of choice of the two so far. Um there's no spoiler words, guys. These movies are all super old. But um, so the so as Scott mentioned, um, Blair Witch Project. Um, there's different numbers, but it definitely costs below hundred thousand dollars to make. Um, some say as low as twenty five thousand. I've seen a little bit higher, but it grows two hundred and fifty million dollars. So I mean, the return on investment there insane. Um, just some fun facts about that movie, real quick. If, if an actor or actress wanted to break character, they would just say the word taco. <laughs> it's kind of funny. <laughs> um, it was shot for like 19 hours, and they edited it down to its you know, 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just like people like that. It was filmed in Maryland, and like the town had to deal with just like a ton of people going to Burkittsville and just like stealing signs and vandalizing the town. So like. I think for a little bit, it actually was probably a negative for that town. But uh, like I said, I mean, the, and I guess another fun fact is people, you guys mentioned the shaky camera work. Um, owners of theaters actually complained a little bit about it because they said almost at least one person per viewing would want a refund because they just like would get sick from watching the movie. So the, the shaky camera work probably actually a little bit too excessive in that movie. I think they could have done a little, little bit better job with not um, so much shaky camera work. But um I mean, just when you look back, at the time, I almost thought it was, like, overhyped when I saw it. I'm like, yeah, it's good, but I think it was just overhyped for me when I saw it. But uh, the impressive amount of taking such a low-budget film and generating that amount of success from it is just so impressive. Um, And then Sixth Sense, as you said, I mean, really, really good movie. Um, It's just a movie when it's on TV, I just end up watching, like, 15, 20 minutes of it just because it's just, I don't know, I feel like Bruce Willis does a great job with it. I don't think it's really, like, scary so much. I mean, there is that huge twist, but just a really solid movie, so. There's some, like, poppy scenes where you know, like, ghosts will pop out of nowhere. Although, M. Night Shyamalan did put, like, when you see red, then that kind of signals that you'll see a ghost pretty soon. But, I mean, like, Nisha Barton is scary. I feel like she's scary. The, like, woman who's, like, tearing up their kitchen, the part of the beginning of the movie, I feel like it's kind of, like, suspenseful got like some jumpy parts it's kind of scary all right yeah i mean i guess for you know it's, it's not <laughs> i mean it's still still a horror movie a little bit but like suspenseful movie so there's some scary it's parts a but it's not the it's like scary movie. it's to me it's just not the scariest movie on this list by far no. but really good movie i'll send it back to the to scott <laughs> thank you both yeah and i i just gotta always think in hindsight here it's so funny when we talk about the numbers for Blair Witch Project, where there's probably so many filmmakers out there who are kicking themselves afterwards, going like, wow, we could have done this on such a low budget and made so much money. It was it was just one of those... It was, it was almost like a, an evolutionary moment in film that Blair Witch uh, was able to do. 
you know, having that kind of budget, doing that style so cheaply and making that big of a return, which ironically, though, too, I think they sold the movie rights for $1.1 million for that. And after it made $250 million, I don't think that they... It'd be interesting to see if they got their money back or how much money they actually made. But having said both of those things, I kind of get to give my vote to The Sixth Sense. Um, my vote will also go towards The Sixth Sense. Mrs. Lawson will vote for The Sixth Sense. But if I didn't, if I forgot to mention the box office numbers, Six Sense made almost six hundred fifty million dollars. So wow. huge success. Um, I'm going to vote one for Blair Witch Project in a losing effort. Just because I think, as Scott mentioned just a few minutes ago, it's just, it almost kind of like led to a new genre, I think, in the way movies were filmed and make it, making a little bit more amateurism um, popular in the way it's filmed. But Sixth Sense, great movie, so I'm not upset that that moves forward. It was a very close vote for me, and if uh, Blair Witch against a lot of other movies on this bracket would have got my vote, but Sixth Sense, it had the tough luck of going against that. So as we move on to the last part of the third bracket, uh, the third round, I'm sorry, we have number 11. Hocus Pocus, a Halloween favorite, going against number 12, Psycho, the classic. So number 11, Hocus Pocus, came out in 1993, and it stars Bette Midler, Sarah Jessica Parker, Kathy uh, Najimi, uh, Omri, Omri, Omri Katz, uh, Thor Birch, and Vanessa Shaw. So some fun trivia for Hocus Pocus. Disney bought the script in 1984 and sat on it for eight years. It was originally supposed to be much darker and scarier, and now I kind of want to see that movie. Like, what would that have been if, like, Hocus Pocus was darker and scarier? It kind of, like, I, I wish they could find the old script and do something with that. But I watch this movie every year. Um, maybe I think it's better as a millennial than when it, that it really is, kind of like, you know, that Space Jam thing. But, um, weirdly enough, uh, Zachary Oh, this is always something that gets me about this movie, though, that I gotta say is really weird to me, is Zachary Binks, you know, when he's with his sister at the very end of this movie, says to her, I had to wait to get res rescued by a virgin. Like, he's saying something to his little kid's sister about a virgin, which always just kind of creeps me out. Is the daughter supposed to respond like, oh, a virgin? He's so lame. Like, it's the 1600s. When did Zachary Binks get laid? I'm bring sorry. It, bring it back okay, let me bring it back in. I'm sorry. But it's it always bothers me about this movie. <laughs> All right, and uh, we got number 12, Psycho, which came out in 1960, uh, star starring Anthony Perkins, uh, Jeanette Leigh, Vera Miles, and John Gavin. Uh, so some trivia with this one. After the movie's release, Alfred Hitchcock received an angry letter from a father of a girl who refused to take a bath after seeing his one movie, Diabolic, in 1955, and now refused to take a shower after seeing Psycho. Uh, Hitchcock replied back simply saying, you need to send her to the dry cleaners. So I also kind of wondered, like, this dad, like, why did he let his daughter see both of those movies then? You know, if you know what Alfred Hitchcock is, like, it's kind of his fault for letting him see it. So, um, but I can only imagine what the reception for this movie was when it was released in 1960. Um, it definitely pushed the envelope for sure. And thankfully today it's known as a masterpiece that it is. Uh, Anthony Perkins uh, becoming became Norman Bates in this movie. I mean, I remember, I think I watched it at least two different times. Once in high school, they showed it. Um, and I mean, and I think I, I watched it again in college. I mean, it's just one of those movie, movies you have to see. It's an all-time classic masterpiece. And I know both of these movies are so different from each other, and they're both great in their own ways. But uh, Psycho is just one of those... I mean, it, it's, it's you have to study it if you're into film. If you're a writer, if you're a director, anything at all... You know, you have to study that film. So I've said what I will say. Mercy. 
So once again, these are two movies that are completely different from one another. Hocus Pocus is my pick for the list, obviously. Um, it's a feel-good Halloween classic. I, It's not scary at all, but it's just one of those movies I watch every year. I have to watch every year. The Sanderson sisters are iconic. The I Put a Spell on You scene, iconic. I just really, really enjoyed this movie. They're making a second one, apparently, that's supposed to premiere on Disney Plus next year, so I'm excited for that. Hopefully it doesn't jump the shark too bad. Um, <laughs> nice use there. Psycho. Um, I have not seen it. I've obviously seen the iconic shower scene, though, and I've also heard lots of stuff about it. It's an iconic set horror movie, and it kind of set the trail for other movies. One fun fact, Janet Lee, not Jeanette Leigh, oh, as bad. pronounced, is actually Jamie Lee Curtis's mother. So I think that's kind of cool that Janet, Janet Lee created that character in Psycho, which is a prolific horror movie. And then her daughter also had the had quite a career in in making horror movies as well with her role with her role as Laurie Snowed in Halloween. So fun fact right there. Off to the Lawsons. Yeah. Um. Yes. It's. I think Psycho. It's one of the movies that is a staple in, like, horror movie history with the, like, Mercy said, the iconic uh, shower scene and then, like, the twist at the end. I think it's uh, a great movie and just, like, like uh, many matchups, very, very different from Hocus Pocus. Um, Hocus Pocus is not one of my favorite movies. I know this is, like, an unpopular opinion and... Like for my love of animals, I just, oh, I just like gotta, the- I gotta pause you one sec there. I gotta, I gotta take the knife out of Mercy Warren's back. Okay, there we go. There we go. Sorry, let's continue. <laughs> um, yeah, I just don't like the bit. I know, like, you know, the the boy that's like in the cat body, like his spirit goes off to heaven, and like, but I just don't like that the cat dies, and like, just, I, I don't know. I just find the characters very annoying. It's just in my opinion, um, but yeah, Hocus Pocus is just not one of my favorite Halloween movies. Um, I'll be interested to see what the sequel will be like next year. That will be interesting. Over to Mr. Lawson. <laughs> yeah, any any movies where cats are injured or die, um, Mrs. Lawson is not a fan of. Yeah. Um, so Hocus Pocus, its budget was almost $30 million dollars. And it only made $45 million. So it was kind of considered a flop at the time in the box office. Obviously has had a cult, you're right, mostly millennial following to kind of keep it a very relevant movie today. I kind of think they made a mistake. They released the movie in July, which makes no sense. Yeah. I guess they didn't want to compete against, like, the other horror movies of, like, you know, around Halloween. But, like, still, like, releasing that movie in July just seems like a pretty terrible idea. Yeah. So that probably hurt the box office numbers. Um, and again, yeah, Hocus Pocus wasn't well received by the the critics, um, but I, yeah, I think there's there's something to that movie that keeps it. It's, there's a nostalgia factor for some reason that movie that um, has made it. You know, it's it's a movie that I feel like a lot of millennials watch each each Halloween, unless their wife doesn't like cats dying. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Psycho. I mean, I think you can make an argument. It's one of the greatest horror movies of all time. Um, it's certainly Alfred Hitchcock's most successful movie as far as um, production. 
So he made the movie for less than $900,000, and it grossed over $50 million. So huge return on investment there. Um, the shower scene, you know, I wouldn't have written in to say I wouldn't shower ever, but uh, <laughs> it definitely, like, I, I was definitely more afraid to take a shower oh, by wow. myself. Yeah, if I was, like, alone and nobody else in the house and I had to take a shower, I was like, oh, man, I'm kind of, <laughs> that would kind of come back to me a little bit. Um, so apparently the the shower scene, which, again, is the famous part in that movie, really, it took seven days to film, and it's only, you know, three minutes of the actual movie. So it took a really long time. And I guess the shower scene originally didn't have any music or any, like, sound in the background. Right. And um, it, the composer, like, went to Hitchcock and, like, basically was like, listen, like, it would be so much better with my music in the background. And Hitchcock's like, okay, let me hear it. And I guess he was, like, so impressed that he gave the guy a raise. Yes. Actually. He, so, like, doubled the salary. So yeah. Yeah, which I think really, I mean, that's what really makes that scene just add so much to that, the scariness of that scene. So, uh, again, yeah, Psycho, I feel like, is up there. Um, one of the top of all time. So I'll, I'll send it back to Scott. Yeah, and I'm glad you actually pointed that out because I, I in the um, I actually didn't take a film class in uh, in college, but I would sneak into one with uh, one of my roommates who did take a film class and uh, watch like a free movie in an auditorium, and then you know stick around to learn about it afterwards. And that was one of the things I actually I remember from the class was there was no music in that. Yeah, they they originally wanted to do that. And they actually played it twice. They actually played the scene without music for us first. And it was still good. It was still really well done and suspenseful. But then they played it with the music and you're like, yeah, that, that you know, you couldn't go, you probably couldn't go wrong either way, but the music just, you know, iconic. And yeah, it, it made that, that's what everybody remembers. So, uh, and actually this is a tougher vote that I would thought, thought it would be, but Psycho is just too, it's like uh, the Lawson said, it's one of those all time greatest like horror movies of all time. And uh, it's a great movie, too. So, uh, Psycho. I have a feeling that I'm probably going to get voted out, but my vote's going to go to Hocus Pocus. My vote will go to Psycho, starring Marcy. It's really, yeah. I mean, again, I, I just think the cat scene at the end, you know, probably turned off some, some people. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm going with Psycho. Again, all-time all time great. So. <laughs> All right, well said, both of you. As we get into the final grouping of the bracket, we have number 13, The Shining, versus number 14, The Others. So The Shining, I mean, come on, everybody knows this movie, uh, came out in 1980, starring Jack Nicholson, Shelley Duvall, uh, Danny Lloyd, and Tor uh, Tori Burton. So, fun fact about The Shining. So the movie took much longer than its original 17-week schedule it, uh, to film, eventually taking 51 weeks, nearly an entire year, uh, to film this. And they, because of that, it actually pushed back filming on a couple other movies, uh, one being Reds, the uh, Warren Beatty and Diane Keaton drama, and also Raiders of the Lost Ark, um, because they were booked to film in the same studio. So The Shining is one of the all-time scariest movies uh, ever made. I mean, it's horrifying, it's perfectly acted, and it's original, too. You know, they, they had things in there that just weren't done. And I, I, I think a lot of that goes to Stanley Kubek, you know, uh, and that filming. And it's intelligent, and it shows how much better, basically, Stephen King's stories can be when you take it out of his hands and have somebody else bring it to life. I'm not a huge Stephen King fan. I know he's done a lot of great things in principle. Um, you know, he's going to have another movie on this bracket uh, coming up. But... Uh, you know, he famously hates this movie, 
and he re remade it as a 1977 TV miniseries, which also bombed. And you can put some of that towards censorship on TV. I think it was on ABC. But still, I mean, like, it shows a huge difference between uh, Stanley Kubrick-directed Shining and a, you know, third assistant director, uh, Stephen King, being part of it. So, uh, number 14 is The Others, which came out in 20, uh, 2001. Uh, it stars Nicole Kidman, Fianula uh, Flanagan, I'm probably saying that wrong, uh, Chris Eccleston, and Alakina Mann. So, <laughs> some great names there. Uh, this is a uh, Mrs. Lawson movie, so I'll let her give the facts on it. But I actually forgot I saw this movie until I watched the trailer for it, then I, it came back to me. And I remember it because it's good, it's suspenseful, and at times it's scary. It's one of the few movies I do remember where I didn't predict the ending coming up. Uh, usually I'm pretty good at predicting the ending. I didn't see that Nicole Kidman and her kids were actually dead. I didn't see that coming. Um, but I also don't really like Nicole Kidman much as an actress. I think she always has the same expression on her face for every movie she does. And uh, she doesn't have much range. So I have said what I have wanted to say. <laughs> okay, so I have not seen either of these movies. But The Shining, I can basically tell you what happens. I've seen clips. Parodies. And, and I've, this is another movie that's just been absolutely parodied to death. But... Between the red rum thing, between the blood in the elevators, and um, the twin girls asking them to play with them forever. Like, I can basically tell you all the cultural references. So, like, I kind of get it. It's obviously known as, as one of the scariest movies of all time, which is the primary reason I haven't watched it. Because I'm too scared. <laughs> um, it's scary. Oh my gosh, is it scary. Which is the main reason I haven't watched it. Yeah. The others... Scott kind of told me the premise of it last night. Um, it's one of the ones that maybe maybe I'll watch it someday, maybe I won't. It's not really super high on my list compared to some of the other movies that we have discussed on this podcast. So that's what I have to say. <laughs> All right, so the others is my Mercy Warren special of the of the list. Where I have not seen the movie. My Mercy Warren special. Um, it made two hundred and ten million dollars, and it was my wife's pick, so I'll let her talk about it more. Um, the Shining, as Scott kind of mentioned, it went over. Um, it took longer than it should. It probably should have, and it wasn't a real good box office movie. Um, it had twenty million dollar budget, and as he mentioned, it pushed other movies back, which I'm sure made those movies more expensive. It only made forty six million dollars at the box office. Really? So, yeah, compared to its budget, I mean, it wasn't a huge success. Huh. Um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like some people, a lot of lists have this as the greatest um, horror movie of all time. I I would tend to agree with you. I think it's you know there's some classic lines that here's Johnny, you know, like that, that kind of stuff is just it, it's it, it's in pop culture everywhere. Um, I love the Simpsons parody of it, the Shinnin. Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, there, so yeah, there's a lot of great parodies of it. Um, you want to get sued? Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, so I mean that's. To me, that's like a great movie, but uh, I'll let Mrs. Lawson talk about the others, her pick in this podcast. Thank you. Um, so, like my other picks, it's just a movie that I watched a lot growing up, especially with my, my mom really likes this movie, too. Uh, so I remember just watching it together. Um, actually, so Tom Cruise is one of the producers for the others. That's maybe why Nicole Kidman is starring in it i don't really know um but actually like 
two weeks or two, like a really short time before it came out, they were going through their divorce. So that's a fun fact. Um, fun. Yeah, at the premiere, I guess they really weren't even talking to each other. Hmm. So they were pretty separated by that point. Um, the director is actually, um, he doesn't speak English. So, and a lot of the movie was set in Spain. So that's probably why um, they're actors that we haven't heard of. Um, but it actually, this movie did really well at uh, the Goya Awards, which are also set in Spain. It's like one of the highest film honors for awards in Spain. Huge in Spain. Huge in Spain. <laughs> um, and then a couple more fun facts. Nicole Kimmon almost quit the movie entirely because um, be, the spoiler that they are all actually dead and she actually like smothers her children. Um, she didn't really like that. That didn't really sit with her very well emotionally so um because of that she almost quit it entirely but the director talked to me so that was good and then um the children the children actually had like an allergy to light in the movie so they kept the child the actors who played the children away from light to keep them in their role so some fun facts uh the shining i actually really like the shining too um, I, I think Jack Nicholson is really good and Shelley Duvall, um, it's just really written very well and very quotable and I know it's a lot of people's favorite movies just in general from like being a scary movie and it just being a really great movie. Um, but it is on like people's number one list of their favorite like scary movie of all time. So I will throw it off to the voting. All right, thank you. And also, too, I think we uh, could do this for our future podcast, is uh, talk about the conspiracy theories connected with The Shining and Stanley Kubrick and uh, the moon landing hoax. I think uh, Patrick Henry would be a fun one to get on that, uh, his opinion, because uh, if you look, there's a lot of different things in there that Stanley uh, was the one who filmed the uh, moon landing and faked it. But uh, despite that, I will actually give my vote to The Shining. Just a quick little side note, a lot of these movies have been parodied by The Simpsons, as Mr. Lawson has said. My husband, ha Scott, is a really big fan of The Simpsons, so I've seen a lot of these parodies <laughs> over the actual movies, just in their Treehouse of Horror movie, Treehouse of Horror episodes. Yep. So that's just a little note, side note there. Um, my, note, my vote is going to go to The Shining. Uh, despite its popularity in Spain, both the Lawsons are going to vote for The Shining. I mean, an all-time great horror movie. All right. Awesome. So we get into the final two movies of the bracket before we do the uh, penalty, like, uh, before we get into the other quick voting to see who is the winner of this year. Maybe we can do another 16 movies next year. That'll be fun to do, too. But uh, for this year, to close it out, we have number 15, it's the Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown, which surprisingly was not a Mercy Warren pick. That was a Scott Barnes pick. Versus number 16, the 1976 horror thriller slasher, not slasher, but Carrie. So number 15, Charlie Brown's The Great Pumpkin. It came out in 1966 uh, with voiced by actors Peter Robbins, Christopher Shea, Sally Dreyer, and Lisa DeFeria. Uh, fun trivia for Charlie Brown is the first time in animation that Lucy pulled the football out from Charlie Brown as he tried to kick it. 
Um, also, all the original children from the Xmas uh, Christmas special uh, returned for this, except for the girl who played Lucy. Uh, but most people cannot tell the difference uh, when you play them, you know, side by side. Uh, number 16, Carrie, which came out in 1976, of course, starring Sissy Spacek, Piper Lowry, Amy Irving, and John Travolta. Uh, trivia, it's Stephen King's first novel that it was adapted into a movie, which basically launched his screenplay career and solidified him as a horror author. Um, one fun fact I also saw was all the Bible verses quoted in the movie are false and not actually in the Bible. Um, so I actually thought that that's a clever way of, uh, you know, was it, uh, was it done on purpose that way? You know, was it like, you know, uh, we can get into that later. I think it's really interesting. Um, but it took me several tries to actually watch Carrie and get through it all the way over the years. I always felt that it was uh, gross and mean, you know, rather than scary. But I do remember being 13 probably and um, hearing that there was nudity in it. So I rented it from the library because uh, there was no age restrictions to rent movies from the library. So I found a loophole there. <laughs> so that is my other fun fact with Carrie. Uh, and so <laughs> over to Mercy Warren. Or unless, uh, Mr. Lawson. That's one of my favorite fun facts that you've given on this podcast. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I was a uh, horny little kid. So, <laughs> oh, oh a little too much. A little too much info. I'm sorry, everybody. Oh, that's 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 wrong to say. Anyhow, <laughs> or to quote friends, I think the word you're looking for is anyways. <laughs> um, so as Scott said, the Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown was not my pick. Um, as far as the Charlie Brown specials go, it's I mean it's not my favorite. It's also kind of mean how everyone gives Charlie Brown rocks and don't doesn't invite him to the party and stuff. Yeah, I mean. I really have a soft spot for the Christmas special. Mercy Warren really loves Christmas, but we'll talk about that later. I'm sure we'll do an episode of Christmas movies just because that's kind of my wheelhouse. But Carrie actually was my pick. Um, I remember the first time I saw Carrie, it was actually on TV late at night when I was supposed to be sleeping. And through the years, this is also when the film parodied. They made a Broadway musical of it that really didn't do that well. Um, they did a re they made a reshoot of it. I'm honestly not sure what year, but I just remember the chilling of the whole, the chilliness of the whole prom scene. She comes home and puts the crucifix through her mom's heart, and then at the end when that girl's having the dream, just the hand shooting up from underneath the earth. That movie just has some iconic imagery. Um, I've recently have seen some more of Stephen King's movies. And especially lately, they feel all very similar, or they feel like they borrow off of themselves, as Scott would say, that they share a lot of common camera tricks, a lot of common themes. But I think this one's kind of different in that. It is. It's a little bit more original. I'll give them that which one. Which yeah. I do kind of like. So that's how I feel about that. Lawson's. I will say, yeah, both of these picks, like the they're kind of mean to like the main character that's interesting how these got paired together yeah. um that's kind of fun um the great pumpkin charlie brown yes that i will say like the most memorable quote that um i remember is that oh i got a rock yeah. like he keeps getting rocks even though everyone else is getting candy <laughs> so that is quite mean but um yeah the parts with snoopy i kind of find i mean i know it's like 
depicting a, a war, like it's talking about that, but I find them kind of boring, not going to lie. Um, so yeah, not my favorite uh, Charlie Brown special, but we will watch it once a year just for fun. Um, and Carrie, it's been a while since I've seen it, but also um, she definitely gets her revenge at the end, but then ultimately loses her life. So um, like Marcy said, it's been redone. It's has a is it a Broadway show? It was. I didn't know they did Broadway show. It was. It was like in the nineties, and it kind of flopped. <laughs> but oh, okay, yeah. Oh. So I didn't. I didn't know if that was recently. But um, yes, it has been redone. It's very iconic with the imagery of her with the pig's blood all over her and her coming out of the burning school, and very memorable, I would say. So um, off to uh, Mr. Lawson. So, I'll admit, I didn't find a box office number for Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown. Um, it came out in 1966, uh, first year. Um, Carrie had a, it made $34 million, and it only had a budget of less than two. Yeah. So, pretty successful. And, obviously, I know uh, a lot of people think Carrie is also up there as one of the all-time greats of all time. Quentin Tarantino, um, I was looking at a list, he called it like a top 10 movie hmm. in any category for him. Um, so very high praise. Um, and the act- actresses and supporting actors are both nominated um, for the Academy Awards that year. So Carrie, I thought was a great pick by Mercy, kind of out of out of character for Mercy, honestly. <laughs> and I just want to ask Scott, of, not that I'm insulting this pick, because it is a good special. I was just wondering why you picked this movie instead of some other uh, all-time great horror movies. So I want to throw that back to you. Oh, thank you. And uh, I just felt that we needed more of another Halloween thing in there. And I was looking around a little bit, and I had a couple other ideas with that one. But I really do like um, the Charlie Brown specials. I think, you know, in the 60s when they were starting to come out, they were really classic. They're classics now, but they they were funny. Like you said, like, you know, I gotta rock. I mean, that's hilarious. And... You know, like, you sympathize with Charlie Brown, you know, and, and it was funny is another thing, too, is um, kids across the country sent Charlie Brown, you know, if they could find him, uh, uh, candy, you know, in the mail because he didn't get any candy at Halloween. I think, you know, that's really sweet, and it just shows, you know, that Halloween doesn't have to be all scary. It can be fun and lighthearted, too. So does that answer your question, Mr. Lawson? <laughs> yeah, just, 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 just curious <laughs> by the pick. Um, and I also love the Simpsons parody the, about the Grand Pumpkin and that uh, special. Yeah, well, that, <laughs> that is one. pretty good. That's a great one. There's so many, but it's, that's one of my. That's one that stands out to me as like a, par- a Simpsons parody. Yeah, that might have made me hate Simpsons if I had seen that when I was seven. Like if I had watched Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown first, and then what they did in the Simpsons, the parody did afterwards. I'd be like, why did the Great Pumpkin eat everybody? Like <laughs> that would have made me sad. And. Uh, even though this seems like it would have been one of Mercy's picks, uh, and Carrie would have seemed like one of my picks, I'm actually going to go with Great Pumpkin for my vote. I'm actually going to vote for Carrie. Um, I guess for Halloween, I guess I'll go with the Charlie Brown special. (laughs) I'm going to vote for Carrie, so it's going to be a tie. All right, so we do have a tiebreaker here. I have the IMDb score. And, uh, I think Car- that, by the way, I think I think Scott's vote against Carrie is another way of just getting back at Stephen King because, as much as he likes Ed Norton, he dislikes Stephen King. A little, you know, he's not too far off on that. I really do think Stephen King is really overrated. Uh, funny enough, if you watch uh, the Goosebumps movie, uh, 
uh, starring Jack Black. He also makes a little rant about Stephen King and his and that film. I think it's really good and uh, kind of sums up how I feel. But according to the IMDb scores, Carrie. Oh, sorry, Miss Lawson. You. I was looking up a fact that Stephen King got paid like less than like three thousand dollars for like the rights to the movie. Like, yeah. I don't think I don't think he thought it was going to be a big hit when it was made, and then he like. But he said he doesn't regret it because of how much it really... And it's not his, his exact book. They did make some changes, yeah. which I think probably made it better. Yes. But, um, yeah, I think he was... I mean, like, he got... Getting less than, like, $3,000 for the rights to that is just ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> Back then. Again, it, it kind of shows to my point that it's. I think it's a better movie than it is a book. I, I, I'm trying to think back if I read the book, but I know at least um, some of the differences between the book and the movie. And it, it goes, you know, he was an unproven, you know, screenplay. You know, he didn't write screenplays back then. It was his first one. And it shows, again, what you can do to make his stories better if somebody else manipulates them or changes them. Same thing with It Chapter 1. You know, the, the remake there was m much better than the book, in my opinion. You know, so, and I think that they did a great job uh, directing there. Okay, so here we go, the tiebreaker. I'm sorry, everybody. Carrie scored a 7.4 out of 10, but the people know what they like because Charlie Brown scored an 8.2 out of 10, which beats Carrie and Charlie Brown, the great pumpkin, moves on into the next round. I know, to the enjoyment and satisfaction of all. So we'll do this a little bit more rapid fire here so we can close up the episode and find the best uh, Halloween special on this list. Or a scary movie. So going back into the first grouping, we have Get Out versus Scream. Um, again, two great movies. I am going to give my pick for Get Out. I'm going to vote for Scream. Um, this is Lawson votes for Get Out. I will vote for Tough One. I'll vote for Get Out, I guess. Okay. So Get Out moves on. Okay, thought Mr. Lawson was going to say something there, but... Okay, so moving on into the next grouping, we have Jaws versus Silence of the Lambs. Oh my gosh. Uh, wow, this is a tough one. I'm going to have to say Jaws just beats out Silence of the Lamb, in my opinion. I'm going to vote for Jaws as well. Gosh, this is tough. Um, I'm going to vote to Silence of the Lambs. I will as well. I'm going to make it an intentional tiebreaker. Let's go and see what the, what the people have, have to say about it. All right. Not too bad. Okay, so I'm looking at the first one first, and that being Jaws scored an 8 out of 10 on IMDb. Let me go to Silence of the Lambs at number 7. Silence of the Lamb scored 8.6 out of 10 one of the highest rated movies in our bracket here. So Silence of the Lamb does get the win over Jaws. Shockingly, I didn't, I, I'm a little surprised by that. And moves on to the next round. So we have in the next grouping, Sixth Sense versus Psycho. I mean, two amazing thriller suspense, hor like bits of horror, you know. Oh, and the both have great twists too. Oh my gosh, Psycho's twist is right up there. Uh, M. Night Shyamalan is. Um, I'm going to have to go with Psycho, in my opinion. I'll go for Psycho as well. So, Psycho is going to prevail. Mrs. Lawson was going to vote for Sixth Sense, but I will vote for Psycho. And you mentioned the twist. I thought it was actually a good point. 
I guess Hitchcock wouldn't let people come in the movie like late at all mm-hmm. because he didn't want any of those plot twists to be spoiled. And I guess like there was lines outside of the movie because of the way he wouldn't let people come late. So it actually boosted the publicity for it. So it actually worked out pretty well for him. Yeah. And I think also he might have, um, he didn't reveal the end of the script. I could be getting this mixed up with somebody else, but I don't think he revealed the end of the script for Psycho until, uh, the, for the actors even, until like the day they were ready to film it because he didn't want any spoilers getting uh, leaked. So finally, <laughs> this is so funny. So into the last grouping, we have The Shining versus The Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown special. And <laughs> despite my love of Charlie Brown, I think this is where his journey ends. And I would give my vote to The Shining. Um, I would give my vote to The Shining as well. I think if, if Carrie would have won, deservedly, it would have been a tough pick. But uh, since it, it lost, I will go with two votes from the Lawsons to The Shining. <laughs> Fair enough. We had our Cinderella story, though, with Charlie Brown and uh, tip of the cap to old Blockhead. So as May the blood get... from The Shining be going down the hallway and covering the remains of the Great Pumpkin Boat. <laughs> Oh, Lawson. So after uh, the last uh, little bit of suspense here we had, we get into the uh, semifinals, and we have Get Out versus Silence of the Lambs. Um, I think, in my opinion here, Silence of the Lambs beats out Get Out. I'll vote for Silence of the Lambs as well. It's going to be a sweep, Silence of the Lambs. Good run for Get Out. Yes, indeed it was. Um, you know, that movie cannot be forgotten, and I, I do need to sit down and watch the entirety of it in one sitting and not just in pieces. So, and the other side of the semifinals, we have Psycho versus The Shining. Oh, my gosh. I know I hate to rush this. I want to debate it a little bit more, but I think Psycho beats out The Shining. Um, I'm going to go with The Shining. Yeah, really difficult, um... I'm going to vote for Psycho, and Miss Lawson's going to vote for The Shining. Okay, let me pull up these numbers here. Uh, again, I'm glad we have some. I'm glad there's almost some ties because these movies are so close to each other in quality. Watch and this both. is incredible. This with they, there is not a tie in the IMDb scores between Psycho and The Shining, but they are so close and two of the highest rated movies on our bracket. So we do have a tie between us. So, coming in at 8.5 out of 10, Psycho is that score. But at 8.4 out of 10, Shining loses by a single digit to Psycho. Wow, tough. Tough loss. That is surprising. So, we get into now the ultimate who is the best scary slash Halloween movie. Here we have Silence of the Lamb versus Psycho. I mean, I've ridden with Psycho so far. I think I have to go with Psycho one more time. Um, I will go with Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> so once again, I'm going to go with Psycho, and Miss Lawson is going Silence of the Lambs. All right, and for those who remember <coughs> back... People's votes are unmoved. Yeah, they both <laughs> score very high, too. And this is incredible. So Silence of the Lambs, if everybody remembers, it scored an 8.6 out of 10, which beats out Psycho, which scored an 8.5 out of 10. So Silence of the Lambs gets it. And finally, in a bracket with movie bracket, it was not a movie picked by 
Mrs. Lawson that won the bracket. I do not. She didn't pick that one. Yeah, was that a uh, was that a Mr. Lawson? I actually got. Yeah, I actually got the win for the yeah. one. Not that I really try. Not that I've even advocated for that one to win. So you know, I try and vote for the best movie. But that's, uh, that's true. Yeah, I mean, I feel like there was a few good, really good picks in, in horror movies, and we'll have to see maybe next uh, spooky Halloween season we can pick some more that we like. Of you know, that are like it that we didn't mention, which is another all-time great movie. Agreed. Agreed. Um, so we can edit this part out if we want to. Um, but do you want to do your scary story really quick, or? Do you have time? You're on mute. I don't have a scary story, but... Oh, I thought... Did uh, did Mrs. Lawson have one? Do you have I a guess... scary story, Christina? No. Uh, I'll, I'll just give my... I'll just give my trick-or-treating fact. Go ahead. Okay. So, Mr. Lawson, let's... Uh, you can give your scoop of the week, and we will save uh, scary stories for next time, potentially. Okay, so scoop of the week, just... I just want to say baseball playoffs. Uh, if you haven't been watching them... You know, this is, I mean, even if you're not a huge baseball fan, baseball playoffs are just amazing. So, um, I know, I feel like the, I, I'm really annoyed by the way they have the, the times. It gets better in the World Series, but the divisional rounds, I mean, there's games that start at like two in the afternoon and like they go up against football sometimes. I just feel like, I wish, especially in the, for the divisional round, that baseball would do a better job um, of just scheduling the start times. So, uh, but we have football. Basketball is about to start, and the NHL just got started, so uh, great time for sports overall. And Scott was asking me to share some sort of spooky story. Um, uh, me and Mrs. Lawson do like to go on ghost tours, so there's some, you know, it's always a fun uh, date night out. But uh, I guess you know, I'll, I'll admit a lame Hollywood fact, I guess, or a Halloween fact in some respects. <laughs> uh, I went trick or treating at 20 years of age. Uh, my brother was wanted to go trick or treating. He's you know about four years younger than me, and uh, which is still you know, even sixteen is pretty old to go trick or treating. But that's what he wanted to do, and uh, I was like, well, I got nothing else going on. I'm twenty years old, and so I went trick or treating at twenty years old. And I dressed up, I think, as George Washington, and uh, <laughs> only I a couple I people. This. I remember, I remember only a couple people complaining that I looked too old. So it wasn't uh, it wasn't too bad, but. Uh, at 20 years of age, I decided to hang it up and stop trick-or-treating. So that's my uh, scoop of the week. Very uh, brave of you to admit that, uh, Mr. Lawson. I guess if we do, uh, I do have kind of a scary story I want to give really quick. And it won't take very long here, I promise. But it was something, and I'm not really much of a spiritual person. I'm not much of a religious person, as we've said before. But I did have a pretty crazy event happen to me once when I was younger. I was probably around 22, 23 years old. I was driving home from my parents' house after having dinner. And it was, I did not drink. I didn't have anything to drink that night. It wasn't that late. It was probably around 8.30 at night. But there is a old road out in this part of the area where we live. And I will just say that the street is called Music Street. And on this road, it is, it, it's almost like going into the past. It's very, uh, it's very Amish country. Uh, it's very, uh, you know, I, I took it as a shortcut to get through to another busier uh, street. But as I'm driving down this road late at night and there's a heavy fog on the road, I was coming down a hill... And as clear as day in front of me, I will never forget this, I saw a little girl in a white dress with blonde hair kneeling down and praying in the middle of the street. Uh, I swerved my car to avoid her because she was right there in front of me. She came out of nowhere. And I can still picture her to this day. I pulled off to the side and I began looking around wildly for her, thinking that there was this little girl, preteen girl, out in the middle of the road wondering what she was doing out there. 
looked around for five minutes, couldn't find anything, got back in my car, started driving. Within uh, just a couple minutes, I passed a very old cemetery, which was probably from the uh, 1800s at the very least. They probably have some older graves dating back that far in that area of the country. And uh, it was a very scary experience that I had, and one to this day that I still remember. So having said that, I hope that we entertained you all out there a little bit better. Uh, I think we're still trying to get into more social media accounts. Uh, stay tuned for that. But we are on Facebook, Twitter, and email us at rd3productions.yahoo.com. We had a blast doing this. I want to thank the Lawsons so much again for joining us. Uh, Mercy Warren for also being here. Uh, does anybody else have anything to say? Yeah, just shout out to Scott because I feel like he is the one that like just starts even do a Halloween podcast and... You know, he's the one that he often thinks of like these different movie podcasts to do, and so I just want to give a shout out. Fun idea, I had fun doing it, and I know Miss Lawson did as well. So yeah, it's always fun doing these podcasts. So thanks, and thanks to all the listeners, and uh, appreciate it. And as I said, it was yeah, we have a lot of fun doing these. So thank you. Well, thank you guys, and honestly, I I. I may have started this podcast, and I may be—I uh, might have some ideas, but I really do feel it's everybody but me which carries the show. I feel I'm a hindrance sometimes, so I really do appreciate you all. Appreciate you all. You guys are like pros here. I'm so impressed with all of you and how well you do on this podcast, and I have a blast doing it. So thank you all again out there. Uh, thank you, Patrick Henry. Wish you were here, but we can't get—can't wait to hear your headlines and hear and uh, get them back in next time for another episode. Until then, everybody have a happy Halloween. Take it away, Mr. Solomon Black. Dying of thirst, trying to find an oasis. Finally paying for all the time that I've wasted. I said life was a race, but I was driving mistakes. See, the truth will shine a light on all your lies if you face it. And so that's why you might hate me. At a party, won't play this. If I tried to be basic, I would finally be famous. I could be crowned for a favor. I could be drowning in paper. I could have all the kingdoms of the world. I'm bowed on the Satan. Matthew 4 9, if you doubt what I'm saying. Matthew 6 6, keep it down while I'm praying. Revelation 1 9, I'm on an island, come and save me, Proverbs 1.